Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Since COVID became a thing, people the world over have been looking for ways to beat it. Some scientifically based, some with less proven track records. An investigation into 26 clinical trials into the use of Invermectin to treat COVID has found serious errors or signs of potential fraud. Today, we're taking a look at a new pill coming to Australia that claims to treat the symptoms of COVID-19, the one named after Thor's mighty hammer. With all of our hopes and futures pinned on a COVID-19 vaccine to get us out of the pandemic situation we found ourselves in for the past nearly two years now, you may have forgotten that during all that groundbreaking research to crack the vaccine, there's also been scientists around the world working to create a treatment for COVID too. Right now, treatment for those who end up in hospital includes oxygen and potentially ventilation for more severe cases. And when you get to that point, dexamethasone, a corticosteroid, can help reduce the amount of time needed on the ventilator and can save the lives of those who are dealing with the most severe form of the illness. But what if we could stop the virus from getting to that stage? Last week, the Morrison government secured 300,000 doses of a new drug that's just going through the approval process in the US called molnupiravir. The antiviral drug has been shown to prevent people who catch COVID-19 from ending up in hospital. When quickie regular guest Dr Sanjaya Sananinyaika, an expert in infectious diseases based at the Australian National University in Canberra, tweeted about it recently, he said it was originally developed to fight influenza, but they've found that it also works with the SARS-CoV-2 virus too. I responded, asking why they have to make the names of drugs so hard for people like me to pronounce, and that this one sounded like the incredibly difficult to pronounce hammer belonging to the Asgardian god of thunder, Thor. Dr S responded saying, no joke, it was actually named after Thor's weapon of choice. Doctor, can you take us through what volnupiravir is and how it actually works? It's a medication that's oral, so it's not intravenous, so you can take it as tablets, and it affects the way the virus replicates or multiplies or makes babies. I guess that's another way of looking at it. And there was a trial which didn't have huge numbers of people in it, but the trial was so successful that they stopped it early. And the company Merck is seeking emergency use authorization for this particular medication because the group of people who got it compared to those who got placebo were 50% less likely to be hospitalised. So that's really good news. Can we talk about another cure? Can we call it a cure? What do we call something like molnupiravir? It's not a cure, it's just a treatment? 
it's a treatment. I mean, all treatments help contribute to the cure, and some treatments definitely cure quite quickly, but it certainly would be part of the treatment package with COVID. And I guess the other thing about molnupiravir in the trial that was done, it wasn't for everyone with COVID. So it's only for people who aren't in hospital. So people who've got mild, moderate COVID in the community who are well enough to be outside hospital but who are at risk of getting severe COVID. So they may have been older. They may have had one of those underlying chronic health conditions we've all heard about over the past year or so, like obesity, heart disease, lung disease, etc. So it was that particular group who received the molnupiravir. And similarly, you've probably heard of the other drug, which is an injection, a monoclonal antibody called citrovimab, which we're using in Australia. That's also used in a similar type of patient. So a patient who's only got mild or moderate COVID, not sick enough to be in hospital, but who's at risk of becoming sick. And in both cases, you need to get those patients within about five days of getting sick. So it's really important that people get tested early if they think they might have COVID. So they're identified early and they're given as much time as possible to access those medications within those five days. Are either of those treatments similar to what, say, Donald Trump was given back when he got COVID? Now, if I remember correctly, what Donald Trump got was a combination of medications. So he got Regeneron, which was an antibody combination. So a little bit like citrovimab, except Regeneron's a combination of monoclonal antibodies. He got dexamethasone, which is a, a steroid but he got remdesivir, which is an antiviral. So molnupiravir is like remdesivir. It's an antiviral, but its action is slightly different to remdesivir. And also the advantage of the molnupiravir is that it's an oral medication, which means it's much easier to take. Whereas in Australia, we're generally giving remdesivir as an intravenous medication. Well, you've mentioned dexamethasone, which is one of the treatments that has been brought up as potentially being okay for dealing with COVID. But can we talk about some of the others? One that the former president also was pushing at one stage was hydroxychloroquine, the malaria drug. Has there been any indication that that has actually had any impact on COVID at all? Uh, No. So really, at the moment, hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, ivermectin, they're, they're not part of the treatment regimens that are recommended for COVID. And you did also mention dexamethasone. In fact, dexamethasone is really a very effective agent in the randomized controlled trials. It reduced mortality, so it reduced death in sick hospitalized patients with COVID. And the beauty of that is dexamethasone is a medication we've had for decades. And compared to all these new treatments, it's cheap as chips, so that's great. But returning to your original question, yeah, hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, ivermectin, There's no role for it in the treatment of COVID at the moment. Now, ivermectin is the horseworming treatment, right? Do we have any idea what initially linked that as a potential COVID treatment? So ivermectin in vitro, so in the laboratory setting, has some antiviral activity. There were some clinical trials which showed a benefit, but they weren't perfect trials by any means. So certainly there wasn't enough there to go ahead and recommend it as a treatment for COVID. And ivermectin, you mentioned it as being a horse tablet. And in fact, in the US, there was a situation a few weeks ago where they were running out of 
veterinary ivermectin because so much of it was being used in humans for COVID, which was very sad. But even in humans, we do use it for certain conditions, so certain parasitic infections, head lice. So it is a useful drug, but at the moment, not for COVID. Now, as always, when there's ever a health crisis, there's also natural remedies that get brought up. And, you know, natural remedies have their place. But in this instance, there's a lot of discussion around the herb wormwood being used to deal with COVID. That's the herb they use to make absinthe, I believe. Have you heard anything about potential benefits of taking wormwood for COVID? That's a very recent thing with wormwood being touted as a COVID treatment. And my understanding at the moment, there's no great evidence for it. Now, wormwood, though, is the basis for a very effective malaria treatment. So we certainly shouldn't discount things and say it will never work. But if we want to show that something works effectively in the medical sphere, we need to still go through that trial process. And as far as I'm aware, there's no evidence that wormwood is effective enough to treat COVID that we can use it in a day-to-day basis. Now, molnupiravir isn't the only antiviral, the only treatment that we're discussing at the moment. An AstraZeneca one has also been put forward as a preventative treatment that affects antibodies. Can you explain to me what that is and how it's different from just getting vaccinated, which creates the antibodies? Yeah. So I've mentioned Regeneron already, which is what Donald Trump had. I've mentioned Sotrovimab, which we have in Australia, which is a monoclonal antibody. So the AstraZeneca medication you're talking about is another combination of monoclonal antibodies. So the way to think of it is like this. When you get vaccinated, we're all told it takes about two weeks after your vaccination to start mounting an antibody response. What you're doing with these monoclonal antibody treatments is you're injecting the antibodies directly into someone. So you're getting instant gratification with the antibodies. And with this AstraZeneca medication, from what I recall, they adjusted it so that the antibodies would last a lot longer. And what they showed in a trial of around 5,000 people was that it prevented progression to severe COVID and it reduced that by about 77%. So it was very effective for that. And the other possibility is if it lasts for a long time, it could be used in people such as people who have low immune systems who don't respond well to the vaccines, don't get high antibody levels. It could be used in them to give them vaccine-like immunity for a few months or longer. The only other thing I would say about all those monoclonal antibodies, which sound really great, they are very good, but they tend to be very expensive. So usually a couple of thousand dollars a dose. So drugs like molnupiravir, which are oral medications, are likely to be priced more favourably in the long term. There are other treatments in the works still too, including some being created by scientists right here in Australia. A nasal spray is in preliminary trials to try and hit the coronavirus, or in fact even the flu virus or common cold, right where respiratory viruses like to get into us first. It's being trialled by the Hunter Medical Research Institute and University of Newcastle researchers, and it essentially primes the airways to more rapidly and effectively respond to a viral infection. Phase 1 trials are due to be completed in January. Health Minister Greg Hunt says they will continue to explore further COVID-19 treatments, saying the assessment process is being treated as the greatest priority in their response to the pandemic. 
Back in August, the Therapeutic Goods Administration granted Merck Sharp and Dome, the creators of Molnupiravir, provisional determination. That means they're eligible to apply for provisional registration of the drug, and that's now currently under evaluation. How much it will cost is unknown at this stage, with reports in the US that the company who makes it for about $17.74 for one round of treatment is charging the US government $712 for the same amount of medicine to include the full cost of bringing a drug to market. That's about 40 times the cost price. But the order has been placed, and Molnupiravir is on its way to Australia, expected to arrive early next year. Hopefully, the drug that reduces hospitalisations and deaths by about 50%, working alongside the vaccine that reduces your chances of experiencing severe symptoms by more than 90%, will put the final nail in the COVID-19 coffin. The nail delivered using Thor's hammer. This episode of The Quickie was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Ian Camilleri. And if you're looking for a smart look at celebrity news, you'll love Mamma Mia's daily entertainment podcast, The Spill, hosted by Laura Brodnick and Key Reese. The Spill is your daily pop culture fix. What's the one thing you want to do when you're finished watching an addictive new TV show? Talk about it non-stop, of course. That's where The Spill's new series, The Watch, comes in. It's the podcast to listen to after you've watched that new TV show that the world can't stop talking about. In every episode of The Watch, Laura and I, and the odd surprise guest, will deep dive on the show, the best and worst moments, what the ending really means, and share all the behind-the-scenes info you won't find anywhere else. Follow The Spill now so you don't miss the first episode of The Watch, coming soon to Mamma Mia. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.